What's Buzzing Podcast, Episode 4. I'm your host, Sam Dengden, along with me, Michael Fraley and Will Mortensen. We got something uh, a little different today. Um, the Dark Knight rewatch. So last night, we watched The Dark Knight, Mike's favorite movie. I've seen it a couple times, but not, not nearly as many times as Mike has. And um, I love it, but, and I still think it's just a great movie. But Mort hasn't seen it, though. Or Mort hadn't seen it until last night, so... We got three, you know, different levels of love and experience with this movie. And um, I want to hear more. What did you think of the movie last night? Yeah, so um, obviously it's the first time seeing it last night. Um, been hearing you guys hype it up for a while now, but had to see for myself. Um, I mean, I think it's a good movie. Um, it's obviously a very different superhero movie. Um, a lot more complicated. There's a, I mean, it's, it's a long movie but it's riveting start to finish. There's just a ton of action and there's so much going on that like you guys have told me, it's hard to take your eyes off the screen. Um, that all being said, um, I think it's, a, there's a little too much going on. Um, I think it's a little um, hard to understand um, at times. And I think that Christopher Nolan brings up so many contemporary issues that some of them kind of get glossed over um, by others just because there's so much going on. Uh, I think that um, Heath Ledger, as you guys have said, is obviously ridiculously good in this movie. Um, that's what part, most of what makes the movie so riveting. Um, but I think, uh, I, I think one thing that I found really interesting is that the way that it complicates the hero villain narrative is really good. Um, it, it's not this standard hero movie where there's a definitive winner at the end. Um, and I think, I think we can see all the complications there but some viewers kind of like or become accustomed to cheering for one person throughout the movie and then seeing them win at the end. And we don't see this here. So it might not appeal to certain viewers, but it also is a challenging view, uh, movie for viewers. So I think um, it's good and bad in that way. Mike, I need, a, I need to hear your thoughts about this. Well, I mean, just quick response to Mort. Um, I actually agree with a large portion of that. So I've seen, you know, as you said earlier, I've seen this movie more times than I can count. Um, I think upon first viewing, I actually, I do agree with that. It did seem a little messy and like a little bit too fast paced. Um, I think it took me like two or three watches to like really understand what was going on in each scene. Um, and I could see how watching this for the first time, you know, I'd be like a little confused. Um, but with that being said, uh, being able to understand everything that's going on in this movie, I think it is fantastic start to finish. Um, kind of like what Ward said, the action right away, the, um, the bank heist scene to start it off. I think all of the character introductions, there's like, well, there's really two for the Joker, but the one for Batman and the one for Harvey Dent, it's kind of like it's the perfect insight into all of their characters, I think. Um, and I think that level and also the, um, the middle act, the second act, I think is perfectly done, which I'll get into more into later. Um, I think it's the one part it tails off for, middle, for me a little bit is the end, just a little bit, um, which I'll get into a bit more. But I think it is so like, I watching it for like probably the eighth time it is so it is fast paced but in the right way so yeah 
I mean, I'm kind of with both of you, I guess. Like, I, I really like the movie. Um, I feel like they're, Mike, I do agree with you about the end. Because in the second act, you have the Joker just going, you know, bang, 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 like taking out people left and right. And Batman and, you know, the Gotham Police Department are struggling to keep up. But then when it gets to the third act and, you know, the hospital and Harvey and, you know, the Reese storyline. And then also like the final the final fight between um, Batman and Joker, I felt was a little underwhelming. But I do understand the point of it because it was trying to explore this idea about people. Right. And, who you know, we'll get into this more in our final conclusion but about how people's fate or Joker like doesn't believe in people and Batman does like Rachel says that in her letter, like don't lose faith in people. And on that boat, the boat was a perfect example of, you know, why Batman won in the end, I guess, because he didn't lose faith in people and those people didn't, you know, implode on themselves and pull that trigger. So I think, I think it's a really good movie. Um, but Mike, you said you said you had a plan for how you wanted to talk about this, that like just go through each scene and stuff. Well, do I look like a guy with a plan? <laughs> <laughs> God. But but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I think when I so watched this movie for like the eighth time, um, I think I really was able to get the picture for how it's divided into three acts. Um, so kind of like I said earlier, I think the first act is pretty much made up of um, the character character introductions to the Joker, Harvey Dent, and Batman. Um, and I just need to keep appreciating the scene, the opening bank heist. I think that's one of like the most well done scenes in movie history. Quite yeah, honest. let's 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 talk about that more. I want to know what you thought about that because that's the that, that was the intro to your experience with this movie? Like, what do you think yeah. of the bank heist scene? I mean, I get, like, I think it was well filmed, and I think it's, there's this, like, what it does really well is it uh, sets this idea that the Joker um, can take thieves um, or bank robbers and use them, but then he's the one that always comes out on top. So I think it establishes the idea that it's the Joker's agenda that's really being pursued from the beginning that's super important and Mike like like you said I think that um this scene does a really good job of ensuring that everyone who's watching it knows like the Joker comes out on top and the Joker's like this main figure so I think it does a good job of that um obviously I had like no context so I, I I'm like seeing the scene and like waiting just kind of waiting for Batman to get involved um but yeah I mean I, I think it, I think it's a good scene yeah um, so a couple things I noticed from that scene, the score, the score in this movie is just fantastic and doesn't get talked about enough. Um, you know, the one cello note getting played, uh, where it's just like, it keeps like getting more intense, like as time goes on and it just like kind of feels like it's like scratching your soul in a way. Um, it's just, it just creates this feeling of uncomfortableness with the joker and like anxiety and um the movie was just like so well shot there's so many like drone shots i felt like in this movie of like you know chicago that's where it was filmed i think mm -hmm. yeah, like, that's right. and um the first shot of the joker 
from like the, from the back where he's just holding his mask and waiting to get picked up. It's just so eerie and it just like creates this um, unique tone to the movie. And um, yeah, yeah. that's another thing I would also bring up. I think not just this scene, but you know, with the grenade fake out and the scene with the bank teller where, you know, you think he's just going to put the grenade in his mouth and kill him, but it's really the smoke. Um, I think the tension in this movie is fantastic uh, with the score too, where it gets like really intense, especially at the end on the ferry. Um, but there are a lot of scenes in the middle too that are just filled with insane tension. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's also kind of like more what you said. I think this is, it's not even the only one, but it's the perfect introduction on its own to the Joker and it's genius. So the, the thing with the Joker is he's made it very, he like it's made very clear throughout this movie that he's not crazy. Like the thing is like, he's all there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, when, and we'll get more into this with the mob scene, but you know, one of the guys says you're crazy. And then Joker's like, no, I'm not. And like, he keeps on, he wants to let people know that he's not a freak. He's not crazy. He's just a guy like Alfred says who wants to see the world burn. And the way he goes about that just like shows his genius. Like there's, there are so many things that I've seen that I saw in this movie that villains just, I've not seen villains do in the past. Like the, having people in the banks hold grenades so that they don't move. It's just yeah. like subtle genius. And also having each guy kill their partner so yeah. that he gets more of the stake. Like, it's messed up, but it's also like kind of like really smart and really it's tactical genius. from the Joker it's, side. It's completely genius. And there's just so many examples uh, of doing that. And also just like the ending scene or like as the end bank heist scene ends, like he drives off with a bunch of school buses and, you know, as, I, I, as those come in. That. Like how, how did he like line that up perfectly? He's just super tactical and it's just, it makes him that much more scary because like he knows exactly what he's doing. He's yeah. super smart, but he's also a guy with nothing to lose and who fears no one. Well, and I think, like, there's this – there's obviously the idea with Batman being, like, this guy who's just, like, this lone wolf who's kind of, like, tackling crime. Um, but I think, like, there's a parallel between Batman and Joker in the sense that Joker, the Joker is just exploiting the mob and he's exploiting, like, petty thieves or – bank robbers or any anyone involved in like organized crime um so he's exploiting that as well but he's exploiting it for very different reasons and he's pursuing this like personal like strange agenda that you mentioned like he just wants to see kind of the, the gotham burn and he wants to be he wants like it's almost like he feels challenged to like find the very best of society and show that like he can change them and turn them into the worst mm-hmm that's why, like, in the third act, when he burns the money, like, he says, like, it's not always about the money. It's about sending yeah. a message. Yeah. And, like, that's what he's trying to do throughout this movie. Like, mm -hmm. he, he thought he could change and corrupt Gotham and show uh, the worst of people. Mm -hmm. But at the end, like, people are still people, and there's still humanity. Mm -hmm. So, um, the next I scene... I want to, before, before we go on, yeah. Dagan, you were talking about the idea of the villain, like the Joker being a very unique type of villain. Um, so actually, 
I got a, a take from Brian Brenner on this movie, on The Joker. Um, he says, movies like Black Panther or The Joker, or Captain America, Civil War, um, make you feel bad for the villains um, in the movie, which is very hard to do. And he says that if a filmmaker can achieve that in a good versus evil movie, um, then the movie's as good as you can get. But he said in this movie, he doesn't feel like he can sympathize or empathize with the Joker as much as he can in those other movies. And that's why he doesn't find it to be as good of a movie. What do you guys have to say to that? Um, okay, I have something to say. So the thing that, the way that the Joker is unique is that he's not one of those villains that has like a sympathetic backstory. Like we know nothing about his backstory. We know nothing about him in general. He just appears on the scene and he's one of those guys that is so compelling yet he's so evil. And we, there's, there's reasons why like we, there's other movies where there's just like evil, evil villains, right? They just, mm -hmm. they don't, they don't exist other than the purpose to um, just mess things up in the protagonist's world. Yet for some reason, the Joker works in this movie. Mike can attest to this. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's so unique because he, he's like a bunch of other basic villains in a sense, yet he works so well. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'll get into this more later, but I think I would actually argue while it's not specifically laid out and it's very subtle, I think you can infer enough about his backstory to actually sympathize with him. Um, and I think there are like, specifically um the quote with him you know i don't want to you know go too far ahead because i think we should go from like the start to the finish but the quote with him in the hospital with harvey dent where he's like if a truckload of soldiers blows up nobody nobody really care i forget what it is exactly but like nobody panics um i think it's i think there are little quotes like that laid out through the movie that like do a lot in showing what his backstory is even though like i said it's not it's not specifically laid out i think we have the same theory mike yeah i, I it's a lot um but i i actually like that personally you know i like i don't like to be like i said in our uh first movie podcast i don't like to be told everything about everyone on screen you know mm -hmm. i i like i like when directors assume that like their audiences aren't idiots you know, and they can figure things out for themselves. Um, and I think that's a lot of what happens in this movie with the Joker. It's like on the surface, it seems like he's just the guy, he's just like a kind of like a, not a bad villain, but like a pointless villain who just wants to kill people. And I, I think he's a lot more than that. Yeah, yeah I think, um, I think he's just super unique in the fact that like some of these villains, like Brian was talking about, like Black Panther and um, the new Joker movie, which is fantastic. But, um, you know, they create the antagonist uh, and they make him some, like super sympathetic. But it's to the point where like he's like kind of merging into a protagonist in a way. But there is, but this movie points out that, you know, there are just some evil people out there and I'm going to keep saying this quote because it's such a good quote, but some men just want to see the world burn. And this movie does a great job of exploring um, 
people's like that mindset and like and obviously to the extreme because joker is like there's no one like the joker out there but um it just does a great job of just exploring the antagonist for the antagonist and not trying to change it into something else yeah i think we should um keep going here a bit with the first act yeah another thing some other things i thought were fantastic about it um the batman introduction is good i think there are a lot of like in the first hour, I something I didn't realize there are like a lot of like slightly funny moments. I think, yeah, like or things that just make you like slightly chuckle. Um, like for instance, with the fake Batman's in the beginning, where he's like, "What's the difference between you and me?" He's like, oh, "You're not wearing hockey pants." <laughs> and, um, I, I just thought that was hilarious. But uh, yeah, so I, I think the Batman introduction is good. Um, the uh the Harvey Dent introduction as well where he like um he's like he punches a guy and he's like but your honor I'm not done that was so badass I think that's the perfect uh introduction Harvey or like the original Harvey Dent yeah yeah such a good guy and another line I picked up on too was when he's talking to Gordon for the first time and he's like talking about who investigated all his cops and he's like suspicious of some of his cops I think that was good foreshadowing because obviously we know what happens to him in the end. How he gets kind of like his eventual predicament is because of Gordon's cops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Mark. I think that's good foreshadowing. Uh, I think that that um, the fact that you mentioned that foreshadowing is good. I think that's a really good point. But I do. I think that um, Harvey Dent's the original Harvey Dent's character development could use some work and I think part of it is just because um they're trying to pack so much into a shorter amount of time that I don't think they fully develop this like white knight character that Harvey Dent's supposed to be like there's obviously that scene in the courtroom but like I don't necessarily buy like ever everyone just immediately sees Harvey as this like white knight guy who's going to save the city but like I don't necessarily buy that just from the intro as a viewer so I, I think like because they're trying to force so much symbolism into like two and a half hours that some of that necessary character development gets left out. Well, yeah, I, you know, I get that, but I would argue, you know, he's not, not everyone sees him like that because he's not yet. I think uh, Bruce Wayne and, you know, Gordon are trying to push him to be that because they know that Batman can't, cause he's a vigilante and he's breaking the law technically yeah. He can't really be the symbol of hope in their city. Yeah. And Harvey Dent, you know, he's like a he's a district attorney, he's a public advocator. Um, he can he can be all those things and there's no problem with it. And I think that's what they're trying to push. And that ultimately in the end is what leads to his deci- Batman's decision to flee the city at the end of the movie. Yeah, I'd also push back on what Morris said a little bit too, because Harvey, um, I do feel like the White Knight thing with Harvey for me worked, not only in the courthouse scene, but they also showed how Harvey was able to lock up the mob all during the day, which is basically like no no assistance from Batman. Um, so he was able to do this by himself and show that he can be a symbol of hope. Well, well, I, I would actually, I would push back on that. With I that think, okay, with the Lao thing. But. Yeah, that thing with Lao where he gets him to talk. Which, by the way, is another awesome scene. 
Like I the, forgot that that was in the movie. Shots of him over the Hong Kong skyscrapers. Like all of those, all of those like wide city shots are just yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I agree that I think the city shots are sweet. Um, but I think it's like there's part of the good thing about the movie is that it's not just like so black and white like there's not like the villain and then batman's like the clear hero i think like there's a there's like definitely uh an appealing and more complicated aspect about harvey being this hero but i just don't think that like it's as i don't think like as a viewer i immediately buy the idea that harvey's the hero like i think it takes more cinematic work for him to surpass the actual superhero um in my mind because uh, it's so ingrained like when i watch a superhero movie i'm so used to seeing like the superhero is like the clear hero but like in this movie i think it would take a lot more work for harvey to become in my mind the real hero above batman yeah i mean i get that but like also the point isn't for harvey to be like the sole hero of the movie like he's the first part was supposed to be the white knight and he was like on track to do that and then the accident happens and then batman ends up having to be the hero by taking the fall for harvey so that harvey can remain the hero in the public's eye it's not about us seeing harvey as the hero it's about the public seeing harvey as a hero within the story um going back to that courthouse scene i just want to mention this it was a nice subversion for comic readers in that scene because um in the comics uh heart are some of the comic versions Harvey becomes Two-Face in uh, in the courthouse because, like, the guy, like, instead of pulling a gun on him, he pulls, like, some acid on him and, like, throws it in his face. And uh, I, I just noticed that because I remember when I was reading the comics when I was younger, I was like, oh, this is what, uh, this is what happened. It was a nice subversion. Um, I feel like the way they did it would be much better than any version of that on screen. Ex- exactly. Yeah, that would so it would have been so uh, so dorky. He just like picks up acid out of his pocket and throws them at him. Like that would have been too cheesy. Yeah, I thought I just thought the portrayal of Two Face was just um, because like I, such, I thought it was done well. Yeah, he's such a ridiculous comic character, but yet he works so well, and it's because of that back. It's because of the setup and the backstory we know about Harvey. Yeah. And um, the the line, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. It's just so iconic and it fits so well. It's also excellent foreshadowing too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, going forward a bit in the first act, uh, after the courthouse, we have the second Joker introduction, which is what I like to call it because I think this, you know, the first one, is great for showing how much of a mastermind he is in planning. But I think this one really showcases like, not necessarily his fearlessness, but like his willingness to die. He walks right on into a mob meeting with like the biggest criminals in the city. Um, And he's even prepared with like all the grenades strapped to his suit. Um, Like he walks in there and the pencil trick, he just pulls the pencil trick on one of their henchmen which like, I mean, I that's just insane. That that's an awesome that's an awesome way to show off your character. Um, and he's also saying he says the line where he's like, "You ought to know you bought it with the money." Everybody's talking about his suit. Yeah. And he, he like keeps going after. Well, Gamble goes after him, but he keeps going after Gamble too. Um, he's like he won't be able to get a nickel for his grandma or whatever. Um, 
So I think I think this is I think this scene with the Joker I like a little bit better than the bank heist. I think this one's really well done too. But yeah, I think this scene was a a masterclass in um, how to dominate a room because he comes in right with his with his creepy maniacal laugh, laugh. and it's just it's it's sarcastic because we've seen him laugh, but he's like laughing. Like yeah. to mock whatever the guy, I think it's Lau who said something right before him, but he's mocking them. And then, so he first comes in, they're like, who is this clown? And then the way he establishes some respect is by the pencil trick. Like he, he yeah. takes out one of uh, Gamble's goons right away, right away. And then the Italian guy or the guy with the dogs, like he's like, I want to hear him. So that's how he like establishes some legitimacy to himself. And then soon, like, he doesn't even use – he, like, stays in the room with a bunch of mob, like, mob bosses for five or six minutes without, like, getting killed, which is, like, crazy impressive. And then at the end, he, like, he uses, the, you know, the, the grenades. It's just, like, a safety precaution. So but, the grenades, he's like, ah, da 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 No, but he, he – and this, there's so many things that, like – we know about his character from the scene. Like he's not crazy. Like he's very evil, but he's not crazy. He's all there. He's just a guy who wants to send a message across to Gotham and he's not a freak. I mean, I don't think he thinks himself as a freak. I think he thinks of himself as unfortunate, like a cause of unfortunate circumstances, which we will get into in our later part of the episode with our theories, but he's just making, he makes it very clear that, he knows what he is and he doesn't want people to get the wrong message of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's honestly like, it's kind of weird. Like early, like in that scene that you guys were just talking about, like you're kind of like rooting for him to like show up the mob a little bit. I feel, I felt like, yeah, I think that takes like some of the menace away from his character. So it's really weird. Cause then throughout the rest of the movie, like, He's not, he doesn't seem like as menacing when you just like see him on screen, like in the hospital scene or anything, but like, that's what makes it so such a different and unique film is that like the villain who's wreaking all this havoc is actually somebody that is like, kind of like, like weirdly human and weirdly relatable and like not super menacing to the viewer. Yeah. I think he's also like, he's definitely a master manipulator too. Yeah. He literally manipulates the entire mob. Mm-hmm. Like turning to him out of desperation like yeah. the entire mob like that that and he also in the hospital he manipulates harvey dent too where he like appeals to him saying like um something about chaos and how it's fair and that's exactly what like harvey dent's whole character is with the coin flips and i think it's just genius he obviously understands a ton about people and i i think that's really evident through scenes like that mm-hmm and also his fearlessness too, just like he goes in to the movie and he fears no one. So the the most dangerous man in the world is a man who has nothing left to lose, and the Joker is the epitome of that. Um, but you know what's the crazy thing about this entire podcast and um, this movie is that we're about maybe thirty or thirty five minutes into the movie, and um, we haven't talked about Christian Bale yet, the main character, the protagonist. That's my point too. Which you, is, don't, you don't even realize he's in it that much. And he does, he does, he does like a good job. And I think it's a great job of being the Batman. Um, he plays the, the dumb Bruce Wayne role so well where he like acts dumb, 
um, you know, just the rich playboy. Uh, the later, like later on in Act One, like the boat with all the Russian ballet team, like that's his alibi. Like, yeah, that that's another genius part of it too. But um, I feel like a lot of this is like the way they set up the Joker. The third scene I want to talk about with him is where he kills Gamble, where he like infiltrates Gamble's little compound by uh, faking that he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. He gets like all, and then he gets um, Gamble's henchmen to have tryouts with the pool cues. That's like the craziest part of the scene. The craziest part of the scene is the, the why so serious story. So he tells him, yeah, it's kind of iconic at this point. Like you want to know how I got these scars and he goes in to tell him. And I think this is the, the dad storyline about how it is. His, his, dad uh, was a, his dad was an alcoholic. Yeah. His dad was an alcoholic. And, you know, just uh, something I noticed with the score, right? So it's one note playing the whole time, just like the one note on the cello, just get like increasing in intensity. And it, Ledger does a great job with that monologue. It's just so intense. He's really scary. And it's just like some guy, but he's just, he's super yeah. scary. And I, it just works so well. And um, we can get into the second story more, but like, I think that just that first scene was really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the, I think those three scenes in the first act are just the perfect way to set them up. So, when does the second act start? Start, Mike, for you? Um, it's when Harvey. Um, is standing on the podium and he's like i'm the batman take me in right yeah but i think um a couple other things i wanted to mention before that yeah um kind of just like a general thing with the whole movie i think it wastes like no time whatsoever like there's a little bit of character exposition like 10 like 10 minutes into it but i think most movies do that but outside of that and this is a lot more in the second act i just you know i feel like there's not a second wasted when talking about each character or getting insight into each character, mm-hmm. especially in the action too. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, yeah. And it can't waste time cause it's trying to stuff so much in to like one movie. So there's like benefits to the fact that it can't waste time because you're not ever bored. Like Mike, you said like you're never taking your phone out and like scrolling through Twitter or anything. Like you're all, your eyes are always on the screen, but also like, Maybe it's just because I'm so used to like getting character development when I watch movies and like having things slow down for a second in the middle. Like for some reason, it just seems like too chaotic, and I feel like a little bit overwhelmed by like everything that's yeah, going on. Yeah, I get that. But um, so yeah, going on, and then the, so the Joker kind of goes on a bit more of a killing spree. There's one scene where he takes one of the fake Batmans. That was so scary. I forgot that that happened. Yeah. Hangs him off the side right in front of the mayor. The mayor. But like when it's, you know, it's, they're showing the camera footage on, on TV. That entire scene is actually improvised. Like Christopher Nolan just gave. He Are you serious? Camera and said, do what you want. Yeah. I, I'm serious. God. Which is like, he was so how, good. How messed up that scene is. Where he's, you know, he's like got his hand on the guy. He's like, shh. shh. Yeah. It, I mean, think about being think about being the other actor in that scenario. Least, that's you wouldn't even be acting. That's, that's scary at that point. But um, yeah. So that scene is like yeah. pretty much entirely improvised. On and then, 
as he you know he goes about he takes out commissioner Loeb, and then he takes out some more people i think he takes out some cops right but he's always one step ahead ahead of everyone else like you know when i'm thinking about you know Loeb's funeral right so batman traces the bullet right and then he has like a sniper location set up so whereas the joker is actually on the or he's in the like right next to the he's with the other cops yeah he's, he's with, with the, the other cops and so like he poses like bruce wayne as like or he like puts bruce wayne in the line of fire by having the the blinds go up right as he's about to do it. Yeah. It's just so calculated. And I just, I think it's, it's just super impressive on the Joker's behalf. But then soon after that, right. You have, don't you have Harvey's fundraiser where he tries to take out Harvey. That's before that. I that's think. before. Yeah, yeah. That's before, but um, pretty much. So yeah, that, that's when, that's when like the, the commissioner and the judge where he kills both of them. So like, during yeah. that, um, that's actually that's where the second you want to know where I got these scars story comes in um, and one of the things I think about this and kind of what I I think the general's or the the Joker's general purpose is is to prove that anyone can be crazy no matter like, how or how much order is established in their person or their lives um, and I think like setting up different backstory this might be a bit of a stretch, but I think like character, I think it's meant to show that whether it's like, you know, what's the first one? Like his dad was an alcoholic and um, this one time was his dad and his mom. But the thing is, the point was that they're completely different. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's meant to show that like, you know, there's a lot of different ways someone can be crazy. Right. And I think there's a lot of different, um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, a lot more people are crazy than they than they show. Yeah. I, mean? I think the main point from this though is that we don't know Jack about the Joker after that second story. Because whatever we think we know about the Joker, right? After his first uh, story time with um, <laughs> Gamble, um, mm -hmm. he just completely refutes it in the second one and when he's with Rachel. And it's just super, it's just super, um, unnerving, I guess. You know what I mean? Or because it's you think what you think you know, you don't know about him, and it just makes him completely more unpredictable. And something I noticed with his score. So you know how last time it was just one cello note being played. This yeah. time it's two cello notes being played, and there's like there's so much friction uh, within like the score, and it's just like it just adds to the added tension. And I just thought that was. Hmm. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty yeah, intense. I also think the, um, with the Harvey Dent fundraiser, I think that's like the, the other main point where they're pushing Harvey Dent. Yeah. Real hero. Because um, Bruce Wayne says at the end, he's like, I thought Harvey Dent's slogan was ridiculous, but now I believe in Harvey Dent. Um, so I think he, he does a good job getting everyone on board. Yeah. Um, so then we kind of go from there into – so the mayor shooting happens after that. Um, and then that's kind of when the pressure starts building on the Batman to reveal himself. And this is kind of where the mob's out of the picture, by the way, because Gordon and Harvey already took them down. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty much just the Joker left at this point. 
Mm. Uh, this is kind of where the second act gets into, where the Joker takes over. He takes over the city pretty much. And I think this is actually something I realized upon this rewatch. I think this second act, like the 40 to 45 minutes where Harvey Dent turns himself in and then it goes all the way up to like Rachel's death. I think that is perfectly, perfectly done. I think it is, it's not a second is wasted. It's completely intense. Acting is insane. But so Harvey Dent turns himself in and then it goes to the prisoner transfer. Yeah. They're taking him through the city. And they had the fire truck on fire, you know, classic. Um, and then, so I just, I want to know what you guys, before I say what I think, I want to know what you guys think about the second act. So with like the prisoner transfer, the Joker escaping custody. Yeah. Um, the interrogation. So I think. No, we're not going to catch anything big. I think I got with, uh, with Harvey and like him, um, revealing himself as the Batman. I think that's where we really get to see like that Harvey Dent is a hero. You know what I mean? That's where I feel like his white knight status is, um, you know, implemented. And he also like saves the Batman by doing that, like the real Batman. Because Bruce was going to go down there and do that and say he was the Batman. Because like he, he had seen enough. And... Um, well, he, he kind of, like, screws up there. He kind of screws up, like, Bruce's whole plan, but, like... He screws up the White Knight thing, because Bruce is trying to make him the White Knight, and then by saying he's Batman, he's saying, like... He's, like, telling the public, like, no, I'm not the White Knight, actually. He's, he's just like, trying to do the heroic thing, but by doing that, he's putting himself at risk. He put Rachel at risk. He put everyone else at risk, and it just didn't work that's out like, well. I, that's like the, to me, that's, like, one of the saddest parts of the whole movie. Because he's trying to be like the hero in this whole thing, but he he pretty much just gets he gets screwed over by things that he can't control, really. I mean, yeah. There's also like this really shows that if you want to be a hero, that it comes with tremendous sacrifice, right? Yeah. So with Harvey, he does this, but his half of his face is scarred, and he's just, he basically he's basically di- Harvey Dent dies at yeah. that point, and Rachel does too. And when Batman does it at the end of the movie. He's on the run. He's blamed for all the deaths. Um, and everything's put on him. So that's... And then he becomes the hero that Gotham needs, but not the one it deserves. And Harvey is the one that it deserved. Yeah. Um, but in regards to those 45 minutes, um, I mean, I, like, like the action. Like, I wasn't the biggest fan. I mean, keep in mind, this was 2008. And the way superhero action has completely, you know, transformed even in the last 10 years is just, it's just hard to compare. But I really liked, um, I felt like in comparison to Batman Begins, it's a little more clear. You can see the action a little bit more. Um, The driving scenes are really good with uh, Joker and the, with the RPG. And... um, how it says uh, it says slaughter is the best medicine on the side. Yeah, <laughs> like the S drawn in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I you know I I agree with that. I think one of the things I like about it, I guess so. And this this is like Christopher Nolan's whole approach to Batman is that he wanted to make it as realistic as possible. And like, do I think you know the action from something like Avengers: Infinity War is better? Um, or even I mean, like, or even Batman v Superman. 
I honestly felt like the Batman v Super, like the Batman, also uh, the Batman scene in Batman v Superman where he takes out like eight, like twenty five goons, like that's more comic based. We, we can get into this another time, but I just yeah yeah, I yeah. Think this I, I, this is the most realistic Batman we've seen by far because he's like he can barely handle like four guys, but like he still does a good job with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I you know I think like. I think the action's better in some other scenes. Um, I think the truck chase trying to get to Harvey Dent is great. And then, of course, you have the hit me scene <laughs> a bit later than that. But, um, yeah, the helicopter takedown, too, with, you know, where the guys, like, shoot the grappling hooks across. I think that's – there's kind of like what you said earlier. There's so many, like, little, like, um, I guess, battle tactics in this movie, strategic tactics. And moments of genius from the yeah, Joker. Yeah, it's so – genius it's things like that um so i think that scene is great but another thing i really wanted to touch on there are so many times where you know like you think the main characters win and then they don't there actually there are three main times where this happens um and this is in this second act it's like they capture the joker they think you know they think they've won nope not not even in the slightest this is where like gordon's cop this is where like his moles come in to play or working with the joker but um i just i think it's so it's so great how there are three times in this movie they think they've won and the joker is just like five steps ahead of them with a backup plan yeah even at the end too um where you know the joker's finally captured and then oh he's got heart two face up his sleeve and like you end with like a, this bittersweet feeling in your stomach but i want to go back to the the bad pot scene where joker's like hit me and it's just crazy how joker pushes batman to his limits so many times in this movie um batman has this one rule that he won't kill people right Mm -hmm. and um he wants him to kill him like he wants he wants to push him because he's not afraid of death he's not afraid of batman he's not afraid of anything and um Joker's if, he dies, like the, if he dies, he ruins Batman. He wins if he, yeah. Batman kills him, he wins. Yeah, so that's why it's just so interesting to see, like the dynamic between these two. Because I think the Joker is the perfect antagonist for the Batman. Because Batman has this one rule: yet Joker's so willing to break it all the time, and he does it without fear or repercussions. So I think it's just super interesting. But Mike, I want you. I want to hear your opinions and more too about the. Um, the interrogation scene. Honestly, I think that's one of my favorite scenes. I really like that scene. I think the setting, the setting's like so good. And then the way, honestly, I think the way that they like transition out of that scene and then they have the one cop like standing guard and the Joker is like talking. He's like, you want to know how many of your friends I've killed? I think that scene is almost better than like the actual interrogation. Um, because we can see like just how manipulative the Joker is and like just how easily he can like he can get out of any situation by like kind of enraging or getting like cops or anybody to like um, just like have an outbreak so I I think like that scene um, is like way more interesting, but I think the interrogation scene, like the setting is perfect in the basement there. Yeah. Um, I like, 
Well, I mean, the Batman reveal where he like switches on the lights and he's behind him the whole time. I think that that's another thing that's just fantastic. Like that's a great reveal. Um, but I think another like little interesting, and I said earlier, there are these like little quotes from the Joker that I think actually do know a lot about his backstory where he slams his head on the table and he's like, never start with the head. The victim gets all fuzzy. I think like to know that you have to have some kind of, um, I don't want to say like military experience, but like some kind of special forces or something, you know, and that that's going to feed into my theory a bit at the end. Mm-hmm. I can see where this is going already. <laughs> uh, with, uh, when the soldier, when a soldier transport yeah. blows yeah. up. Uh, so I'm building up to, I'm foreshadowing, I'm foreshadowing. But uh, I'd also like to point out another thing that Christopher Nolan does in this movie outside of like the wide city shots. It's like the, um, it's like the rotating shots that he does in like one-on-one character interactions. Yeah, he does that multiple times. Um, he does that with the uh, the triad of Gordon, yeah. um, Batman, and Harvey at the top of the yeah. when they're when they're uh, arguing. I thought that was really really interesting. Then also um, with the Joker and Batman, you know, because as so the scene starts with Bat. Okay, I'm gonna go like really in depth with the scene, but. This, the interrogation scene starts with Batman um, using brute force, and then so when he, he he hits him twice trying to do the bad cop routine, and it doesn't work because like Joker's can't feel pain. He's like he's like immune, um, and he turns as you can see in this uh, in the scene he turns Batman's greatest strength over the Joker, which is like power and brute force, into a weakness. Which is just, it's like really unnerving to see because the Joker is like maniacally laughing as he's getting hit. Yeah. And, and then he says... He literally throws him into the glass and he's like laughing. Yeah. He's like, you have nothing to threat, threaten me with. Nothing to do with all your strength. And... Cause yeah, because... Um, and but with that rotating shot scene, right? So the scene starts with like the, the fo- emphasis being on the Batman, right? And how he's, you know, like asking him questions, but as the Joker starts to gain more and more control within the scene, he turns it, the camera like slowly turns with the focus being on the Joker, and then he starts, and then the Joker. I don't remember what he says, but the Joker like strikes a nerve with the Batman, and he he like punches him, and then he starts laughing, and he says that line, right? He isn't afraid of anything. He. That's why he's so scary and such a great villain because he's able to neutralize Batman in that way. Yeah, I think he also, I'm pretty sure he also does that when the interaction between him and Rachel at the Harvey Dent fundraiser, where like Rachel kind of stands up to him, but like he, he like pretty much doesn't care. Like Rachel shows him that she has the power, but then he's like, no, yeah, you know, I can scare her. Um, I can tell her like who's really in charge here, and it does this. I think it does the same thing with that rotating shot. It like sets up the dynamic at the beginning, and then focuses in on the Joker to show who like really has the power. Yeah, I think you're right. And then um, there is this. I think I don't know if this is in the interrogation scene or if this was in the scene with the cop. Like, uh, like you said. Oh, also, 
I, that cop scene with the scene with the cop, Mort is so good because if the cop doesn't do that, then there's probably a decent chance that um, the Joker doesn't. Yeah. It all ends because the Joker needs to get to a phone. Yeah, and then like Rachel yeah. and because he, you know, he, he manipulates him. He's a master manipulator. He says yeah. that to piss him off, and he knows he can take out that cop in hand to hand combat. And um, but anyway, he says in that scene, uh, when the chips are down, they'll eat each other. And that's what he's talking about people because yeah. it goes into this idea of like he he believes that people are inherently bad and evil which again like kind of is a subtle like hint at his backstory because it's probably implying that he's had some bad interactions with people and he's been through a lot through his childhood and whatnot and um but he the difference between batman and the joker is that the joker believes that people are inherently bad and the joker and batman believes that people are good and part of that he gets from Rachel when she says, um, don't lose faith in people. And so the, the way that they contrast within this movie is just so interesting. And it all comes to a climax, I guess. What, with yeah, the another important thing he says, though, in the interrogation, he's like, he's, he compares himself to Batman. He says, like, we're pretty much the same. He's like, they'll cast you out like a leper. You know, like, you're, you're a freak like I am. You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he he also says, like very much at the end where he's like hanging off at hanging off the roof. He's the roof. He's like, um, I think he's like when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. So he's he's trying to set up that they go hand in hand, and right? they do. Yeah, and Batman, Batman in the movie, he's like the ultimate symbol of order. Like he like when he's around, there's no um, crime, there's no chaos. Um, but I. And the Joker calls himself an agent of chaos. Yeah. So I mean, he's trying to take down again. He's trying to take down like the he's trying to take down order in the city, which is Batman, which is ultimately shown through Batman, and he does that just by talking to him in that scene. Yeah, I think the biggest like the biggest line that shows that is when the Joker's saying like everyone's like scheming for control, like the mob, the cops, you. He's, and the Joker, he says, like, I just, I want to show everyone just how pathetic their attempts to control everything really are. So I think, like, like, Dayton, like you said, like, he's an ag- agent of chaos. Like, that's what he's pursuing. And I think the problem is that there's no definitive answer to this at the end of the movie. Because, like, there's obviously the fairies and, like, no one presses the button. But then the Joker's just kind of left hanging there and Batman rides off on his on the motorcycle, Batmobile, whatever. And there's no definitive answer. Yeah. I mean, he, he leaves him hanging because he has to go and try and save Harvey. Mm-hmm. And he can't at the end. Like, yeah, Harvey's, like, Harvey's gone. Right. But there's nothing after that. Like, like he just, Batman just rides off and that's it. Well, he, he has to ride off because he's saving Harvey. You know what I mean? He's saving Harvey's reputation in the eyes of Gotham. I mean, Harvey, the people can't know that Harvey killed those people. Yeah. Because right. Harvey, Harvey will lose, or Gotham will lose its hero. Right. But nothing happens to the Joker. I mean, it's implied that he goes to jail. Yeah, but what happened the first time he went to jail? 
Like that's the that's I, the problem. Yeah, I, I think we should I think we should save a little bit of that. Let's not jump ahead too much. We can get into that a bit more. Yeah. Um, okay. I think so. Yeah, a lot of great stuff in the interrogation scene. Um, the racial death with switching up the locations of Harvey, like he gives them the wrong location on purpose. Yeah. Um, I just, I, that, that, that hurt me the first time. Yeah. Like, I think that's a great way to show like how much he's, he, he's showing them how much power he has over them. Really? Like he can do anything he wants. And also like Batman or like he gives Batman the wrong directions while getting just the shit kicked out of him in the interrogation yeah. scene. Like he gets them to a point where they're so he gets he gets the mob to be desperate, he gets all the cops to be desperate and Batman to be desperate to the point where like they'll listen to anything he says. Like they don't even really consider if he's lying or not, you know, they just go. He's the one with the power. Yeah. And he has all the power in that scene. So Rachel's death too, um, where she's like about to give a speech, nope, doesn't doesn't happen, just gets blown up. I think, you know, that very sad but i think that's um not that i like that in a way but i think that's a good way to show like um no one's safe yeah no one is safe there's no happy endings really like this is a realistic world even though there's some clown going out killing people you know Mm -hmm. things aren't timed perfectly for speeches like that um and i you know despite how sad it is i like it I like how it's done, you know. It feels earned, just because like Rachel's been there for since the beginning for Batman, and with Batman Begins, and um, it just pushes. It, it wouldn't have felt the same because um, Batman like just met Harvey, right? And he wanted to go save Rachel, and as he thought he was going, as he thought he was going to get there, like he was unable to just like the last moment because Joker just tricked him. So, and then you can just see the desperation uh, with Batman in his, you know, penthouse as he's just sitting there. Uh, Bruce is sitting there and he's like asking uh, Alfred for comfort. And by the way, Alfred in this movie is so good because he's just such a good voice of reassurance for Bruce. And, um, but anyway, he's like, Batman must endure and he must, he must keep going because Rachel would have wanted this and yada, yada, yada. And I think he just does such a great job as like the voice of reassurance for Bruce in this movie. Yeah. I mean also, yeah. With also the thing um, that you're talking about with the letter too, like Rachel's letter to Bruce. Um, I think like there, it says like in the letter, like I said, and she said earlier she would be there like when he st- or when the city stopped meeting Batman and like the whole thing was over. But then she says in the letter, like, I think you're the one that needs Batman. Like, it's not the city. And she's like, whenever you stop needing Batman to, like, see yourself as the hero, like, then I'll be here. So I think, like, there's this idea that, like, he needs the hero persona more than the city actually needs him at times. And, like, he's kind of contributing to the chaos because he needs Batman. So I think, like, that's another aspect of, like, the relationship. But then at the end of the movie, like, he goes on the run and he, like, he gives up being Batman. Like, he listens to, like, without reading the letter, but he learns, like, yeah, exactly. The city doesn't need him. He needs, they need a hero. Uh Batman's going to be the the one it needs by not being the hero, which is really interesting. He abandons his own desire to be Batman 
to pursue the city's need for a hero. Yeah. Which with the movie dominated by its antagonist is just really impressive to have protagonist growth like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then what's okay. So after the interrogation scene, it's. Well, that, that's Rachel's death. Yeah. I, or the, Rachel's death. That's where I think it really goes into the third act because by then Harvey Dent has become two faced He's completely lost it. Now that Rachel's dead. Um, yeah. Joker's trying to plan his grand scheme. So it kind of starts, I think it starts off with the hospital, um, Gordon visiting Harvey Dent in the hospital. You know, it's like the, what did you used to call me back in the day, Harvey Two-Face. Um, and he's like, why should I hide? By the way, people think like, people think the CGI in his face is bad. I think it works. I think it works. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's bad. It seems real. I mean, it seems like I question as accurate as it could be. I, I, I thought it was completely fine, yeah. Like, I, I personally, I questioned how he could live with that because wouldn't that, I mean, like he had like a hole in his chin like here and on the side of his cheek, like how, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, it probably just causes excruciating pain. Like he drinks like alcohol or he has like a shot like in the bar as he takes out one of the cops and, or he, he takes out one of Maroney's guys and like I'm just imagining, like alcohol, like on, like burning skin. It's just probably not a good, which yeah. just shows that, like how far gone he is. Yeah, like, and how far the joke. And also, the other thing that shows how far gone he is is the fact that like there's actually two sides to his coin for the first time. Yeah. Or he's like you make your own. He's like you make your own lock, and like both sides of the coin are heads. But then after like one of the sides is burned, and he's like, it's basically like. He, he goes from saying you make your own luck to like all of a sudden his luck goes bad and then he feels it's only fair for everyone else to have the same like a 50 50 chance to. like he did yeah which is just brilliant setup from nolan because it's yeah. just like how 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 are they going to make two faces coin which is like super comic accurate like work in the movie and it and they did yeah and by having the joker like manipulate that and turn that into like the plan is just such a good was such a good idea yeah. So I think um, from there, you have like the money scene where he lows on top of the money and he burns half. He burn. Does he burn all of it? Or does he burn half? He just burns his half. He burns his half because he doesn't give. He doesn't care. Is, like, everything there, his half though, or did he just burn half of what was there? You know what I mean? I think no. This I think it's that's his half that he yeah, burned. Yeah, that was his half. So he burns Lau on the top, by the way, which like I think he does. I mean. Actually, how does Lau? I, I don't know. I actually don't know. They didn't show that, which was kind of weird because, like, they showed Lau on top of the money, but then but they, I, feel like, I feel like if you don't show it, though, that's almost that shows how messed up that like adds to the effect. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's basically. Well, I, yeah, I think it's basically showing like he just doesn't care about like anything but sending the message. Oh, he's no, he's he screamed. I just looked up. He screamed when he was. No, he's, he, he was burned by the fire so he did die which is just kind of crazy yeah. like, the joker just like takes out guys left and right and we don't even beat an eye yeah so he i mean that pretty much and then he kills the other italian guy so that pretty much gives him um all the control um and then what do we have after that we have the hospital threatening to blow up the hospitals um Ooh. I just thought Joker and the hospital nurses <laughs> was just so – it was just funny. 
it's just also like he's just like when he's like at harvey dent's bedside and he like takes off the mask he's like hi and harvey dent realizes that it's the joker (laughs) he's kind of looking at him like he's confused before that like he can't see the eye black or the face paint i don't you know what i mean it's it's yeah weird i mean he's also like pretty out of it but to be fair but yeah i think um just there's so many things where like i don't really like just the him talking with harvey and the way he's like able to manipulate him and you know he like he gives harvey the opportunity to like shoot him like by putting the gun to his head like getting rid of the safety giving it putting it in harvey's hands and and he won't well, I think that's how the Joker, like, assures himself that he's officially, like, turned Harvey is because Harvey's leaving everything up to chance instead of, like, doing the White Knight thing, which would be to, like, eliminate the Joker. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Joker, like, at that point, he, like, leaves, like, after Harvey doesn't kill him, he, like, leaves the hospital. And then later he tells um, Batman, he's like, yeah, Harvey's my ace. He's like, he's like, yeah, I basically, like, completely used Harvey and turned him. And he's mm-hmm. confident in that because, like, Harvey didn't kill him. Also, the way, like, the Joker just, like, as they're evacuating the hospital after Reese goes on um, the Tonight Show, and the Joker and Ledger delivers in another, like, excellent monologue um, where he's, like, if this man isn't dead within an hour, um, oh, I blow up a whole hospital. And so, which, again he's pitting people against each other. As you see, like people are going to kill Reese, like people shoot at him through the windows. Right. And, um, this is, this is where Joker is like winning. Right. Cause he's like, they'll eat each other. Like when you put people, when yeah. you put people's security at risk, mm-hmm. he pits them against each other, which is like the whole idea of war, I guess. You know what I mean? But we can get into that. Here we go. Here we go again. Regna <laughs> and Mike coming to the same conclusion. No, but I think um I can't wait to get into some theories. No, but it's just super and then also like after that, like the Joker's like I thought this was <laughs> it's so messed up, but it was it was so funny. Like the Joker's like baking being a nurse, right? Like checking things, like with his green hair, and like a cop comes in like I need to <laughs> I need you to check, like I need you to evacuate, just turns around, just shoots him. And then the way he walks out, like just like struts out of the hospital. And then he like, triggers the explosion, and he's like, like, yeah. he's yeah. like, what the hell? It's just, he, he's just, Ledger's just such the perfect Joker. He just conveys his, the evilness yeah. and the craziness, as well as just, like, the comedic timing, too. And then also, like, after that, when, I, I guess he gets in the same bus as, like, the reporter and, like, a bunch of other people. Cause it cuts to the broadcast of like the reporter. They kind of gloss over this, which is something I don't really get, but like, so I guess he takes one of the buses and then it, it goes to the reporter, you know, with like the breaking news written in black on the background and then like the Joker face on him. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. 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 And then but I think, I think them leaving that over is so perfect. Cause it's just like another thing of the Joker because we don't need to see everything that the Joker does, right? We don't need to see that he's, you know, getting in the car and taking guys out so that he can control the the news the news guy. Because we've seen yeah. him do that like five times before already in this movie. 
again, yeah. it just adds to like the fear factor with the Joker and how unpredictable he is. So should we get into that, like the like fairy or like the ending scenes? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's so they set up like the microphone slash like the the way to monitor. I kind of I didn't really fully understand what that device was. It's just a way for Batman to yeah. find the it's Joker. A way for him to figure out who the Joker is. Um, so then they get to the fairy scene, which um, I think there's a lot of like. Is it like my favorite third act of any movie or favorite climax? No, but I think it's not meant to be like, the more I think about it, it's not meant to be like just straight action. No, it's not. Um, I think it's, it's just supposed to show because ultimately this is where, this is where you could argue that the Joker loses because earlier he's trying to prove that like everyone is, everyone basically could be an agent of chaos. Everyone has problems. Um, the established order, like, it, it can all be broken down very easily because um, he's trying to, like, pin normal people who, you know, never killed anybody, never done anything wrong to kill, like, a, a boat full of prisoners, but also people, mm-hmm. right? So he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to make them crazy in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of loses that. But what do you guys think about that scene? Yeah. I think it, go ahead, Mark. You go ahead. You go ahead. Okay, I think it works for the movie just because, like you said, Mike, he's trying to pit, like, the best of people against each other. But one thing we kind of just talked – like, so with the scene with Bruce and Lucius Fox – and, by the way, Morgan Freeman's just really good in this movie. He just, like – he conveys the poise of, like, Lucius as well as the intellect, like, super well. Like, when when Reese, like, tries to blackmail Bruce, like, the way he, like, puts it against him – like he's like you really want to do this it's hilarious but it's also like wow that was really like composed and you could get the feeling that he's been doing this for for a while um yeah it is funny because reese starts like trembling he's trembling he's like he's getting totally pranked he's like he like lets him keep the copies seconds too i know 15 second statement and reese is just like well crap (laughs) yeah and then um but Lucius doesn't want to do it because, like, it's infringing on people's security and freedom. Mm-hmm. But he, like, he agrees to it. And then he's like, put your name in when you're done. And so once he does that, like, at, at, the, at the end of the movie, like, the whole bat cave explodes, which is just a sign of, like, Bruce knew he was going to be done. He knew this was the last yeah. mission for a while. Or, like, he knew he, want, he needed a break because he knew that this was it. Yeah. And because he's, he's just been so tired from Rachel and all these people. And he knew that this was going to be the end. And um, I think that's just really interesting development for Bruce. But as for the endings, like the, the fairy scene, I think um, the way they build tension is so well done with the score, as well as just like the way they can shoot to different people and have um, different, you get to see like all different kinds of people in the boat, boat in both boats too and it's just like well they set it up like that the one prisoner he's like he's like you don't know how to take a life i'll do what you should have done 10 minutes ago like they set it up like he's gonna do it but then he just throws the detonator out the window yeah and it, it i think it's interesting because the prisoners actually decide that they're not going to kill anybody before the civilians do yeah. yeah um which in a way like slightly proves the joker's point 
you know, like that even people, even normal people can be savages or killers or ruthless people. Yeah. And even that one guy who was like going to do it, like the ball yeah. guy, you because can tell they voted to do it. The civilians like yeah. overwhelmingly voted to do it. And, but that one bald guy who was angry and you can just tell he had so much bent up anger towards, yeah. uh, cause he felt so much better than all of them. Yeah. Like he's even still unable to do that. And I just like, even the acting from like these small time, like actors, like the acting throughout this movie is just yeah. top tier. I didn't feel like there's any, I agree. I agree. More performances from anyone. And I think that, I mean, that that's the reason why I found it. Like, even though I had some problems with like, the way it ended or like the general chaos like the reason i still like found it to be such a compelling watch and like i couldn't take my eyes off it is because the acting was so good mm-hmm. like, but i think also think? yeah with the oh, ending um i think like the fairy scene like obviously neither boat presses the button and then when batman and joker like talking up at the top of the building and joker's hanging like Batman's like, yeah, a bunch of like a bunch of people just showed you like how much good there is out here. Um, I think like yeah. that's kind of like that's a win for the Batman or for Batman, but like I think the problem is that like we never really see Joker like defeated. And like that that's why I think the message is kind of dangerous, is because like the Joker's this agent of chaos and he's like killing anybody who he wants, who he wants to. But, like, we never really see him defeated. Mm. So I think that's, like, a kind of a dangerous message when it comes to, like, either promoting or overthrowing chaos. I mean, I don't think it was promoting. I don't think it's, like, dangerous in the way that you're saying. I think it's more of just, like, it leaves it – it's super ambiguous how it ends, which is just perfect for the Joker, right? Because he does kind of win in a way with Harvey. Like, yeah, that's Harvey – the Harvey, Harvey Dent scene is a lot more important, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. But I think the problem is, like, I agree that it's meant to be, but I think the problem is that because of, like, because we're so accustomed as viewers to, like, the villain versus hero thing and Joker's the villain and because he's, like, got his face pain and Batman's the hero because he's got the, the cape and the mask and stuff, like, I think the problem is, like, people can't necessarily look past that. And when they see like Harvey die and like the Joker is just like off on his own, not even part of the last scene, like not defeated. Like, I know I definitely get that. I definitely, I do understand that. Yeah. You know, like you kind of hope for like a, like an ending scene with the Joker, like some kind of resolution. Yeah. But I, you know, I would, I would argue that, that his point is like already been proven though. You know, after, after that scene, after they talk and he says like, um, yeah, after that, that like fight, which by the way is, is kind of hilarious. Like the Joker in combat, um, he's so unorthodox. Yeah. Like he's super skilled with weapons and everything. It's super weird. It's super weird. Like like slaps him, right? Yeah. He's like, he's like hitting him with the poles. He's, he keeps slapping him with the poles on the ground. It's just, it's super weird. It's kind of funny, too, to be honest. But, um... Dude, I, it kind of looked like, to me, like, when he's hitting him with the pole, it kind of felt, like, it kind of seemed to me like the, like, crazy grandma with her cane or something. Like, <laughs> just seemed kind yeah. of weird like that. Yeah. I get that. 
the, yeah, the Harvey Dent scene at the end. Um, the one thing he says to, um, I think he says this to Batman. And he's like, it, it, I what the first part of it says, but the last part of it is quote. He's like, he shouts, like, it's about what's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about what's right. It's about what's fair. Yeah. It's, it's what Mort said earlier. Um, how he goes from like making his own luck to doing whatever. Yeah. He um, and I think that like that quote right there just shows that the Joker, the Joker proves his point in turning Harvey from like the hero of the city really to just some crazed maniac going on a killing spree. Yeah. Harvey is the manifestation of the Joker's message. And that's why I think this ending with Harvey was so good. That's yeah. Introducing Harvey um, as like you know the White Knight, like we keep saying, and seeing his slow deterioration, which was spurred by the tragic event, right? But seeing that proves that the Joker had a point, and he was right. And I guess that's kind of dangerous in the fact that like the movie said that, but I also think it's just like super interesting, and I feel like it shows that there will always be evil people out there and i think that's kind of what the movie's talking about yeah and now that now that i'm hearing you guys like talk about this i can definitely see it like like you you guys are getting into this idea that like the villain can have a point and like be right in a sense which is a super unique idea but the but he and he does the villain doesn't necessarily need to be like completely flattened for the hero to win and I think, like, the fact that it's more complicated than, like, winner and a loser among, like, the hero and the villain, like, that actually makes it more compelling. And I definitely, like, of as hero movies go, like, this one provokes way more thought, and that's a big reason for it. So I think as long as that message can be clear enough, when you guys are, st- like, what you guys are saying makes it seem clear to me, like, makes a lot of sense. So mm-hmm. that, that's good, yeah. So I think um, I think we should probably – get into like some of our theories slash some questions we have just real quick one of the saddest things and this goes beyond the movie but joker said i think you and i are destined to do this forever and i think that was that was i mean it's this idea about like you know batman joker and like the perfect protagonist and the antagonist but as well as just like christian bale and heath ledger heath ledger was the best joker i've ever seen i think it's the best He's the best comic book portrayal of a character we've ever seen on camera. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix did a great job last year. He's definitely number two. But this was just by far well in a way, you know, the best portrayal of the Joker we've ever seen. And his tragic death soon after this movie came out, um, it still hurts. But I think what he did, this was kind of his swan song. Um, and I think... Um, this was just a great thing to remember. He yeah, I think um, mm-hmm. I think in a way though, like it, it makes it a lot more special of a movie, you know. Versus like say, because say you know everyone loves this performance. He won the Oscar for it too. I you know I think if they would have come back, like I mean the um, the ability to like come back with a third movie, like they would have taken that right with Heath Ledger. You know maybe they wouldn't have gone the route of Bane. And, like, do I think that movie would have been bad? No, I don't. But I, I think, like, it's, um, it's it's very special. And it's it's very sad to think, like, would I like to see more Heath Ledger? Of course, I, I would have. But I, I think it, it's just 
it, it's a part of what makes this movie so special. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just one of the one of the most um, one of the saddest deaths yeah. I've ever just like in in like pop culture, mostly just because of what he was able to do. Um. So, Mike, I want to hear your theory about the Joker. And I think, I think it's pretty similar to mine, so we might be able to play off on each other a little bit right here. Um, so, yeah, I haven't fully, you know, I haven't completely developed this theory, but I think it's, it's rather obvious what we've been hinting towards. So you have all the quotes of, like, well, actually you have all the visual evidence of how good the Joker is with weapons. You know, not necessarily hand-to-hand combat, but, like, he fires guns perfectly. Um, he understands, like, bombs and explosives perfectly. Um, fires, like, an RPG, right, and shotguns. So I think he obviously has to have some kind of weapons training. I'll start with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the truckload of soldiers comment, getting blown up. I think – do I think he's necessarily a former – you know, actually, hang on a sec. I do. This is what I, I do believe that the Joker was a former um, is a veteran who was basically cast out by society in a way. Now, like if you think of the military, like what is their ultimate goal, right? To establish order, to like um, get. <laughs> am I blowing your mind already? You're, not, you're just making me have massive light bulbs come on right now. Well, so I think like. So, yeah, the ultimate goal of the military is to, like, establish order, right? And security. To get rid of chaos, get rid of security. My bet is that the Joker was a person who saw that and was intrigued by that. He signed up for the military. He had an accident of some kind. You know, I think probably um, probably something like – this may be a bit of a stretch, but, you know, probably like an IUD in the road or something like that or, like, C4 or something um blew up his truck he had i think he was discharged from the military probably a lot of ptsd um and then he became a veteran and as we know there's you know i would say there's a lot of unfair treatment towards veterans even today like a lot of them just have issues that go unnoticed in society that kind of get like they get treated like a joke yeah <laughs> they get thrown yeah. away pretty much um and they are kind of lied to in a way by like a false promise of like, you're a hero. Um, everything is great because of you. And I think maybe that might even be the reason he's so against the Batman because the Batman is looked at as that hero, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, you know, even though they don't, even though Bruce doesn't want to be, he doesn't think he's right. The people look to Batman as the hero. And my theory is that the Joker he previously wanted that for himself. Like he wanted to be that hero. And I would say he's, he could even be a little bit jealous of Batman because he's, he's gets to be that maybe not. I mean, maybe not of like, maybe not, but I think he, he wanted to be that hero. He was kind of lied to by the military, um, thrown away after his accident. And I think one line that Batman says to him at the end where neither of the fairies blow up and the Joker's just kind of like looking out there. He's like almost completely disheartened, you know? And I think he's, the reason why he's so willing to die too is because of the fact that he's, 
you know, he probably like his life probably sucks like living with PTSD like that um I think he'd probably you know that you always hear stories of um former marines like trying to commit suicide and committing suicide there are always thousands of veteran suicides per year which is very sad I think the same thing went on for him but he figured you know like I'll try and prove a point at the same time mm -hmm. um so yeah just kind of summarize former marine thrown away or given a false promise of order and security um thrown away by the military and society and he wants to take revenge batman tells him he's alone at the end which i think is a big thing for a lot of veterans they feel like they don't have a place in society mm -hmm. on their own they're an outcast and he's trying to show that like he i bet he was probably a pretty normal guy too but He's trying to show that anyone could be like him. Uh, so just to elaborate. So there's a couple things, especially in the GCPD, um, when he's locked up in there. So first, they couldn't find any fingerprints. They couldn't find a name. There's no sort of anything to identify him with. So that makes me think. Um, so I saw like the Joker is a former veteran theory online. Um, but I think that the Joker, like, I think he died or he was killed in combat or said to be killed in combat. I think maybe by that accident you're talking about, Mike, but um, he somehow survived. And I think, or maybe he was cast out. Yeah. Crazy that we were like all like questioning all this again, goes back to the ambiguity of the Joker. But I do think he, he, he had to have been involved with, the, you know, the military in some sort of way. Because he's the master of the There's no way he has that, like, weapons training. Mm -hmm. just, just based off of, like, I mean, just basic logic. And then he also has knowledge, like, never start with the head. The victim gets all fuzzy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and when you think about it, like, this whole movie is basically just depicting, like, a massive war, right? Like, yeah. a, like a multifaceted battle. Like. And he's pins. And by the end, he created, creates a mini civil war. Or he tries to, at least, where people are pinned against each other. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think I think that veterans theory does have some ground with it, but yeah. the the point is that the Joker was there, and you know he was able to create chaos, like he said he would. I like yeah, and I like that theory too, because there's that idea that there's no definitive winner of a war. Like, there's just a bunch of different concentrated issues and a bunch that, of losers that go into it, and there's morality and there's immorality, and war kind of reveals the balance between the two and i think like the movie that's what the movie does is kind of complicate the the line between like good and evil and examine the relationship between morality and immorality in everybody that's in the movie so i, I like that theory yeah all right yeah go ahead mike um just one more thing i think um I think Batman kind of wins. I know we've talked about this a bunch, but he wins by losing in a way. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I've actually like really been thinking about this. So just over the course of this podcast, like everyone, I would actually say like the Joker is probably a bit more of a winner than Batman just because mm -hmm. the whole Harvey Dent thing, but everyone pretty much loses. Yeah. Like now, now Gotham has no protector, um, which I think is worse it's probably worse off for all the cops too. Um, 
the Joker lost because he didn't his fairy scheme didn't prove anything, even though it wasn't like his ultimate goal. If he had been able to prove that, then yeah. I think he would have really been right. And Bruce loses because he has to flee pretty much to take the fall for Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that's the idea that it's all chance, like right, like morality is going to win sometimes. Exactly. Like the good guys are going to win sometimes, they're going to lose sometimes. Like you just never know. All right. So before we go, uh, I want to ask each of you if you could rate this movie out of a ten. What would you give it? Hmm. Mike, I, let's start with you because I'm pretty sure I know what yours is. Um, let me think. Actually, I don't need to think. It's ten, <laughs> 10 out of ten for me. <laughs> I think we've discussed it perfectly in depth. I think all the, you know, the ambiguity behind the Joker is just, it's something you don't always see with a villain. I think that's awesome. Um, I think all the characters are great. There's so many fantastic actors in this movie too, which I just, I would like to reiterate. Um, the action is great. Character development is great. Um, you know, the little nuances of the Joker, he's always one step ahead. Um, you think everything's fine. There are three times you think everything's fine. Nope. He's got everyone. He's way ahead of everyone else. Always a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know what's going to happen really for any of the movie. Um, I think the Rachel death is a good, I would call it a twist to be honest. Yeah. A twist, mm-hmm. but like a very unexpected moment that is yeah. also completely necessary to push all the characters forward. Um, and I like that they did it. I think it would have been cowardly if they just saved them at the end. So I respect, I think Christopher Nolan, this is like, this will always be his best movie. You know, I've seen like Inception, yeah. even to be honest. But um, I think this, like the way he films this movie, all the shots, everything, perfect. Um, cinematography, yeah, perfect. All the characters, perfect. Um, I think the, the very underlying messages of the movie, you know, you could say the third act is a little messy with like some of the philosophies. Um, I would disagree. I think it's, it's not presented to you right away. It's, it's a real thinker, kind of like Mort said, like there's no other superhero movie that makes you think this much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it takes like, you know, everyone, you know, everyone pretty much loves superhero movies, right? To some extent, to some extent. You know, except Scorsese, but except Martin Scorsese, but yeah, uh, no disrespect to him though whatsoever. <laughs> He's great, but um, yeah, I, you know, I, I just think this is the most rewatchable movie out there too. Hmm. So yeah, I'm going ten out of ten. I will always go ten out of ten for this. It would take a really compelling argument for me not to. Is this your only ten? Yes. I think this movie is, you know, it's not that it's like way better than some of the movies I'd put like a little bit below it, like my second or third favorite movies. But I think, you know, being a 10 out of 10 compared to other things means you're a category of your own. I Mm. think. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be my only 10 out of 10. All right, more, let's hear it. So, yeah, obviously, like, listening to you guys, you boys obviously love it. Mike's giving it a 10. David Bix earlier today told me that it's the best superhero movie there is. Um, Listen to David Bix. David Bix is right. Yeah, so. Good takes. 
obviously I think talking to you guys gave made me appreciate the movie um a lot more um I mean I guess like superhero movies aren't always like my cup of tea like I'm more of a generally like kind of like little bit cheesy comedy guy um yeah I guess like so I I guess you could say like like the Dark Knight isn't necessarily the movie I'm gonna like always be watching over and over again but I think I would give this movie um a seven and a half out of ten because there's so much and and honestly like I, I think generally like I'd be pretty tough rank on movies when I'm ranking them. So I, I think that's a good ranking, honestly. And I think like just the extensive symbolism, the brilliant acting, the creative directing, like um, the complicated message, like and the new take on a superhero movie makes it good. Obviously I still like have some problems with it and it's not necessarily like the type of movie I always love watching, but I think seven and a half for me is a fair ranking on it. Um, well, I think that is just criminal. To be <laughs> Good. Good, Mike. Gonna have to... I'm uh, just playing. I respect the rankings. I respect the rankings. <laughs> I think um, this one's a tough one for me to rank. I, I'm going to go with like an 8.75 out of 10. I'm not... I'm, it's kind of hard for me to get like near 9s because I, I haven't ranked a movie out of 10 yet. Or like I haven't given it a 10 out of 10 like on my personal list um again like you've all said Heath Ledger greatest performance I've seen in a movie um yet um act, the action is like okay like I never was never a big fan of the action and it's kind of like pulling it down for me um and then also like the rewatch factor like I don't I it doesn't hit the same I guess for you as for me as it does for you Mike um, I can rewatch this movie like every once in a while, but there's not one I can like, you know, sit down and watch cause it's long. Like Mort said, it's, it's, it is really, it, long, it yeah. can get pretty chaotic. Um, and also there's like the endings just it, like the fairy scene is great. And like the scenes are great individually, but does it really flow and fit as well as I want it to? Mm-hmm. Not really, but, um, the performances are great. It's got a great, um, contrasting message. Um, a unique take on the superhero film and it's it's one of the best superhero films of all time so that's uh i think we can all agree with that i mean it's definitely one of the best if not the best yeah makes you think for sure yeah definitely um this was good though i think yeah. uh i i really enjoyed um doing this um maybe next time we'll uh we'll record our uh reactions we got a rewatch next or we actually have a new watch because uh next tuesday or wednesday we have um something planned for us to watch and uh review which none of us have seen um we won't spoil it just yet but it's gonna be a lot of fun um we really enjoyed rewatching this movie i think we all did even if uh not all of us gave it the best review (laughs) um thank you guys for listening um follow us on social media uh instagram at what is the buzz twitter at what's buzzing or w buzzing um spotify and youtube what's buzzing um i think that's it anything is anything any final words no we're all set again go watch this movie again. yeah go watch it if you haven't seen it watch it it's it's a good one
Um, thanks again for listening. Um, until next time, stay buzzing.